It's your boy Cam Meekins. This is the Cam Meekins show. I got my man Jay Zach in the building. What up, dude? What's going on, man? Good to be not here. Not much. Not much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. So, uh, rapper, producer, uh, content creator, mm. director. <laughs> How do you describe yourself for, for the people that, that, uh, that are listening that might, might not know who you are? I mean, first, first foremost, rapper for sure. Um, but yeah, man, just, just artist, uh, creative, independent, independent guy, just trying to, trying to make music and, and, and thrive in this, in this world. Yeah, man. So, so how did you kind of, uh, start on the music journey? Cause, cause you're one of those dudes who, who, who I've always just really enjoyed kind of following the whole story because you're doing an independent like I am from yeah. the Northeast, kind of on a similar path. And to me, from the outside looking in, one of the things that I think is really cool about the shit that you do is like you just found a lot of creative ways to market yourself online and get, you know, just get your music out there. And I've just been really impressed from an entrepreneurial standpoint. You mm. know what I'm saying? I'm curious kind of when you when you got the the itch to start making music and start actually promoting the music and, and making it kind of a business. Right, right. Um, so I started like super late compared to most people I feel like who who are doing music when they're like 13, 14, 15. Like I didn't even write a, a rap or record anything until I was in college. Um, and that's when I just like stumbled upon GarageBand and because one of my friends had it on his MacBook. And then that's when he was like, yeah, you know, you can like record yourself um, over a beat. And I was just like, my mind was blown at the time because I was always like huge hip hop head, just like such a fan of the music. But I never put like two and two together to even make music myself. Um, but then I started messing around and doing it and it just like clicked immediately. Um, and it was like my first first or second year in, in college. So um, I was kind of like late to the party, even like, you know, it took me a few years to even like find my voice and sound and whatnot. Um, so right around like graduating college was when I'm like, all right, I got to, you know, kind of pick what I want to do or like the path I want to go um do i want to take this music shit more seriously and that's when i kind of just decided on it and was like all right i'm gonna kind of go all the way with this um and just like really record and, and try to make a career out of it obviously at the time i had no idea how the fuck i was going to do that like i didn't have fans then or anything i was like i just know if i um keep picking at this and i had like very small success or like one little thing would happen where like one of my songs would you know would get like five thousand plays or like a shout out somewhere and it was like just enough of a of a thing to be like, OK, I know there's more if I just like keep going at this. I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, how long it's going to take. But uh, but I think like you were saying, um, I didn't really have many outlets or like connections or anything. So I'm like, I was just literally throwing everything at a wall and like seeing what happens and trying to get traction in any way. So I think that's how I kind of like just was able to get that mentality of like, let me try. Um, like putting out some like funnier content. I don't know. That's like still music related or like or a rap over other people's beats. Cause people seem to just like notice that more as to like putting on my own songs um, and just trying different shit. Yeah. So that's basically how, how it started. Um, and you know, a bunch of other stuff happened after that, but just. Right. And so were you always uh, writing raps before that, before that happened when you first kind of got introduced to garage band or it was all really just kind of from scratch? No, like it was from scratch, maybe like some poetry type shit a couple yeah. times, like a handful of times. Um, but I never like never wrote anything. Like I said, I was like maniac hip hop fan. And like I was the kid who could like rap every word to like every ludicrous song or like Kanye song or Drake song. Um, so I knew I, like something was there. There was like a burning passion. I just for whatever reason didn't connect the dots until later. And maybe it's because like, you know, the music wasn't as easily accessible then, you know, you had to go to like a studio or more type of thing. Like, sure. um, but yeah, that's not, it, it didn't click until, until later. Dude, the garage band shit is so, is so funny to me because I feel like that's literally everybody's story at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's pretty much how I got into it. Um, that's how a lot of the people that I know got into at least making beats or, or making music and that accessibility was just the biggest game changer. I feel like that, uh, 
started right before the whole independent music movement happened, maybe five, 10 years later, GarageBand was the first thing that actually like put those uh, pieces in, in motion. No, definitely. It, that's, it, that's that, you're right. It was like a whole wave of that first wave of yeah, independent artists that just right. like figured it out and were making music off it and just doing, doing cool shit. Like nobody was hitting like, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. So when that started, were you just releasing music? Was that Spotify at the time? Was it iTunes? Like uh, what, what kind of era was that in terms of I was like platforms? I was, I think YouTube was a big one. Yeah. And like SoundCloud. Um, it was like that awkward, that awkward era of like Spotify wasn't a thing yet. Um, but iTunes, but iTunes was like dying out kind yeah. of, or at least buying albums on iTunes was dying out. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was a weird time of just like where to put music. And I remember, um, sound like SoundCloud downloads. I remember just like, that was like a big thing for me just being like going to this, the, the track I put out and see yeah. how many people downloaded it. I was like, Oh shit. Like 2000 people downloaded this song. It's crazy. Right. 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 Yeah. That's funny. That was, that was like just, just after I had started doing it. And when I first started, it was, it was YouTube and even like Facebook yeah, shit like that. And then after that, like 2013 through 2016 was like a real SoundCloud phase, getting people to the SoundCloud, getting downloads, direct downloads. But nowadays, like a direct download is kind of worthless because what are you going to do? Like load that onto your phone? Like right. nobody's even doing that anymore. Right. And it's crazy how it worked at the time because it held, I, I mean, I'm sure it was the same for you, but like it held so much value to me. Like I would, I would check sure. my SoundCloud plays I mean, because obviously it didn't matter at the time, but like just in my head, thinking back, it's like, I was like, this is it. Like, this is 50,000 SoundCloud plays. This is going to last forever. Like, this is right. this is all I care about. This is all like, now I'm like, I mean, you know, I'll still upload my music and stuff to SoundCloud, but like, I haven't checked a fucking play on SoundCloud in like three years when like then, which wasn't that long ago, but it seemed like forever ago was like, that's all that mattered. Right. Yeah, it it was it was a different era, man. Um, what are you what are you sipping on over there, by the way? Just a a good old sparkling water. Oh, nice. And uh huh. Nice. I didn't know if you were sipping on a drink. I wanted to pull this thing out. I got a I, I got a I got a homie who made this uh this product. Right? You know what yeah. Negron- Negronis are? No. What is it's it? Like the cocktail. <clears throat> it's got gin, okay. uh, Campari, mm-hmm. and uh, vermouth. Okay. Right. And it's like kind of that, that like red colored, like Italian cocktail. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so you, you get it at a restaurant or whatever. He created the Tagroni. Oh, right? shit. And is so. That, is that like glued? Like, what is that? Is yeah. That just- it's like, it's like glued together. Right. He, yeah. he, he owns a liquor store and he created the Tagroni and the shit's like, it's killing it on social media. Tagroni on Instagram. So he's my boy. I wanted to give him a shout out and I wanted to drink something with you because I thought this was going to be a, you know, a good conversation. I, I don't, I never know what to do on these podcasts. Should I drink coffee and be fucking amped <laughs> up? Should I be drinking alcohol and be chilled out? Should I smoke? Like, should I just be straight sober? I, like I, I'm trying to find that balance. I hear so, you, man. I mean, I mean, obviously you're, you're hosting and you've got guests every week, but I'm always in the same boat. I'm like, I'm like, I, I brought a sparkling water and then you, you were like, I'm going to grab a drink. So I grabbed the coffee in the back just in case yeah. if I want to switch it up Dude, on them and no, get I'm, amped up. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I got like a coffee over here, water, and now I got I got this fucking thing that I'm drinking out of a wine glass, which doesn't even make sense. But I mean, looks, looks it's kind dope, of a cool dope. invention, and it's pretty pretty convenient. I'm not gonna lie. So and you you just crack the three in one and pour it in in whatever. Yeah, it's good I just, to go. I just poured this in. That's brilliant. You know, this isn't sponsored. This is just my boy. I'm just shouting him out. That's a good idea. It's actually really good delicious shout out to him yeah so so dude you just had covid right yeah at the like very end of december like How? actually like first i think it was like the first day it was the f- first day of 2021 what was that like um luckily it wasn't it wasn't bad for me um like i got over it pretty quick first few days were like felt like a cold flu to me um and then after that, I, I kind of got over it pretty quick and it, it wasn't too bad. The only thing that's really still lingered around that I didn't even notice at first, but it's it's the sense of smell. Like I still can't really smell. Really? 
Yeah, it's been like a month and a half. Was that the first thing that you noticed too when it when it started to happen or no? How did it like progress? No, that that like I thought I was good because like the first thing you check, at least like what everybody thinks is like check if you have your taste and smell. But I yeah, I had it still when I when I first like had the other symptoms. It was more so just like flu like achy headache. Um, but the taste and smell was fine. And then just like over the days I kind of got congested. So I lost my taste and smell because I, I couldn't that just happens when I have yeah, a cold right. usually. Yep. So I was like, oh, it's just because I it's like cold like symptoms. So I'm sure it'll be fine. And then after that, my taste was just kind of weird. It wasn't like completely gone. It was just like shit was off. It just didn't taste like exactly the same. You know, like, it was you, like would eat, you would eat some shit and it would just like it would be reduced flavor or just yeah, be completely yeah, different. It was, like, it was like reduced, like 70 percent of what it tasted like. Um, so weird. But then I had like my nose wasn't stuffed up. So I, I was clear. So I felt like I could smell it. I didn't really think about it. And then it wasn't until like a couple weeks after I was like cleared or whatever. And just like back out, I was visiting my dad and he smoked cigarettes. Right. So, and I'm like super sensitive to cigarette smoke, like my whole life, my yeah. parents have smoked. So like, if they're like across the room, I could smell it. And like, I have to like put my shirt over my nose. Cause it just like right. bothers me. And my dad's smoking a cigarette next to me. And like, I'm not even thinking about it, but and I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I can't like sense it. And then I was like, oh no, I know why I can't sense it. And it just like hit me at that moment. I'm like, oh, my smell's gone. Like it's not back. That's crazy. And uh, since that day, I've just been like way more um, just on, like just noticing it more. Um, and it's like slowly getting back day by day, but it's still like, I have to really focus in. Like I like grab a candle and like, I could smell it, but it's like, I have to like really lock in and it's just very dull. Um, so that's been the shitty part, but everything else was like good for me, luckily. Yeah. Do you know how you yeah. picked it up or, or you don't even know? I got it from a friend who like around the holidays. Yeah. 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 That's when everybody they, was getting it. Right. right. Yeah. And it's like, I knew, you know, I, I didn't, I literally didn't go back home the whole year. Cause like, I didn't want that to be the case. And of course I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go home. I'll be safe. And then. Oh, so you got it. You got it when you were when you were back east. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And then did you 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 shot a music video while having it? Is that is that what I saw? Yeah, I was quarantined for like a couple weeks, and luckily a friend, the friend that I got it with, also had it, and he had a place by himself, so like I didn't have to be around family or anything. So that was super clutch. So I was like, I'll just crash with you for a couple weeks. Um, yeah. And I had a video shoot planned for the song, and I just had to cancel it. So I'm like, fuck it, let's just shoot it at your at your little apartment and film it like it'll give it a, a new life you know and like show actually what was happening and i think a lot of people liked it so it was dope yeah i mean you know you, you're uh making the best out of it right in that situation exactly exactly so when you uh when you came out west was that was that kind of a crazy transition uh not not this time around from the holidays but mm -hmm. i just mean in general kind of what you know what was that uh that move like for you why why'd you make that move yeah i don't think the transition was too crazy because i was kind of just ready to ready for like the next step you know um and i had built like a solid following already so i wasn't like coming to la to do some like start from ground zero type shit try to gain any traction i already kind of yeah was doing my thing um but more people were just i, I just had like a a good group of people I already knew out here and like a bunch of connections. So it just made so much sense to come out here. Um, so when I did it, it was pretty natural of a process. Like it didn't, um, didn't feel weird or anything, you know, obviously you miss certain things about home, but I wasn't like itching to get back home. I have a, a, a solid group of people here that I work with and whatnot. So it was, it was pretty seamless. I feel like you're, you're, I don't actually, I don't know. Cause you, did you come out here a couple different times? Yeah. You... I, I kind of bounced around back and forth a couple times. I, I had mm. come out here when I was, uh, when I was 18 and I did my first deal for my first album. You know, I, I got such an early start to the whole situation. You know, my first music came out when I was like 16, 17 right. and then, uh, started to get a little bit of traction, came out here, did my first album Lamp City, uh, with a label out here. And then I stayed out here for probably something like six months while I was uh, working on that first project. And I talked a lot about that uh, 
with my boy Maddie, who who basically produced that project with me at the time. Yeah. And we had both kind of moved out here at the same time. And we posted that clip on Instagram, which is just like, you know, he was talking about, oh, he was sleeping on the couch at yeah, this yeah, apartment that, that I was running. Yeah. And like, that was a real crazy time because I was completely fresh out of high school, never had kind of lived on my own, moved into this apartment with uh, a family friend who moved out here to kind of like work with me too. And uh, we started just kind of working on the album and lived out here for about six months and you know we're really just kind of grinding it out trying to figure out how to kind of put the first album together also learning how to work with like the label and do all that stuff which was a big learning curve right and so i got about halfway through making that album uh and decided you know i, I didn't really know anybody out here <clears throat> and this was before instagram before you know you could just kind of meet people just by like oh you know this person i know you like you know let me slide in your DMs and let's get together. That didn't really happen. And so I didn't know how to meet people my age out here. Mm-hmm. And so I was 18 hanging out with Maddie, who, who's, you know, like a brother to me. Um, but that was really the only person that I knew out here. And I felt like I really wanted to build some sort of movement around my music, because in particular my first album. And so I moved back to Boston to finish up the album and that's when i really started actually like getting in my stride from the music standpoint made some of the like biggest songs that were on that project and then before that album came out i dropped a mixtape uh mm. which is kind of like this like faces mixtape uh the smiley face sad sad face whatever and um when i was doing the music video for one of the songs on that mixtape i uh scheduled this like interview with this little up and coming blog in Boston called the yeah. fresh air. And that was Tim's blog, Tim LaRue. I remember. And so, yeah. So I, I met him doing an interview for his blog. We became really good friends, started working together. Eventually Tim started managing me and, and he introduced me to all of his friends in Boston. And that's really how I kind of started the whole lamp city kind of group of people around me that were all, you know, creative, working on stuff. And I did a lot together with a lot of different people on that first album, really because Tim kind of paved the way to like create that group of people of, you know, like-minded creative people in Boston, young kids that were trying to just do something cool. And he was doing a bunch of stuff in the city already kind of along those lines. He had this like thing called 12 for 12, which was, you know, 12 uh, rappers from the city getting together from like different parts of the city Mm -hmm. um, coming together to do, different kind of performances and stuff and that was kind of groundbreaking in a way because it was connecting people from parts of the city that weren't necessarily cool with each other in a lot of different ways right right and so he was he was already on that path and then i met him and he kind of just opened a lot of doors in boston for me and i met a lot more people that were that were doing a lot of the same stuff that i was doing and so i pretty much went on that boston path for you know three four years and then uh moved to New York and, and you know in, in between that whole time I ended up doing that first album and then switching and doing everything independently as you know and so you know I kind of stayed in Boston for a while doing that moved to New York had a couple years in New York and then finally came back here full time and so now I've been here for about three three and a half years and so I bounced around a lot honestly right right that makes sense though because I mean if I was in your shoes especially at that age like just coming out here and being thrown into it like that, I feel yeah. like that's just a lot. But we gotta we gotta rewind because what you said, um, a lot of that like Boston scene. I mean, back in the day, I was like, like when I first got into this shit, I was like, just a psycho in the sense of like just being on top of everything, like watching everyone who was coming up because um, that's what I wanted. But I wasn't at that level yet. Like I was telling you, I got a late start, so I was still like figuring out how to get fans and even like find my sound. But like, I always just looked up to all, you know, I, I knew Tim's fresh hair blog from like from when it first launched, somebody put me onto it. Yep. And uh, I remember like reaching out to him on Twitter, like forever ago, like just showing love, um, being like, bro, I see what you're doing. Um, and he'd always hit me back just, just being like super appreciative. Um, I never, I don't think I ever asked for him like post me or anything, but um, I just kind of built that network. Um, and then I remember like, I remember the 12 for 12 thing. 
that was crazy because I was just like, this is like, these are the people who are from my area. Um, you know, I'm from New Hampshire. It's like 40 minutes, like Southern New Hampshire. So like 40 minutes out from Boston. Yeah, right. It's the suburb um, of Boston pretty much. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, these are the people from the area that are doing it. Um, I want to do what they're doing. Um, so yeah, just being super into all that and like the blog era. Um, like I remember when I went to, I don't know if I ever told you this story. This, this would be a, a funny one. Um, I went to like one of Logic shows like way early on. I think there was like 25 people there. It was at the Hard Rock Cafe in Boston. Oh yeah, I played that yeah, show. Yeah. I know. And you, you were one of yeah. the openers and I like yeah. knew your shit because you know, I'd, I'd seen you on um, the blogs and stuff. But I just remember pulling up to that show and I was like, oh damn, Cam Meekins is opening up. And uh, there was like a couple other openers. But yeah, just thinking, thinking back to like those days like that's how, you know, and I was like studying logic stuff then too, because he was obviously crushing it. Um, but just being like, fuck, man, I can do this. Like I can do what these guys are doing. They're feeling like that at the time. Um, but yeah, just being into that scene and like studying everyone and whatnot. So it's just like funny to see it come full circle. Um, Dude, yeah. you, know, t- you know, Tim is like a good friend of mine. I consider him a hoop and whatnot. And like, we've talked about this stuff, but it's just funny to see it all come around like after years and years. Well, it is, it is so funny. And I think it's a really good lesson too, for people to to learn when they're kind of starting their own thing. And it doesn't have to be in music. It's whatever you're doing when you have a kind of community of people and maybe you're on the outside looking in and you're thinking, how do I get connected with those people and what they're doing? And the truth is that, uh, everybody's, everybody's kind of trying to mutually build each other up. Right. And so, I feel like, you know, it's it's interesting to hear your perspective because, you know, you you happen to start a little bit like later uh, when you first started making music. And so some of those building blocks, especially in kind of the Boston area, which is just where we happen to kind of both kind of come up from, those building blocks were already starting to happen. And, and a lot of that was because of the work that Tim was doing and different artists that he was working with. And it was just a cool time in, in the city for... for this whole kind of group of music that was coming out. And I remember just seeing one of your videos. Uh, I don't even know how it came up, but I just remember just being a fan first and foremost. And I was like, this yeah. shit is super dope. And then I found out you were from New Hampshire. And, you know, I don't even remember, honestly, how we, we got connected. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's just a, a good reminder that, you know, when you keep moving forward, like, all those relationships start to develop, you know, when you, and when you're on the outside looking in, it's, uh, it can very quickly just become, you know, a bunch of people together, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. And and to like do it the right way too, I guess this is more for like upcoming artists or whatnot, Right. but like, you know, me and my, like someone in my position could have just been like, yo, Tim, put me on like write about me or like spam message you, and just been like, yo, like we should do a song. We should do a song. Or yeah. Like, this type of stuff. Um, but I, I just was never like that. I'm like, these dudes are doing their thing. It'll, it'll come around. Like I'm going to just keep working, um, you know, network when, when it's right. But like, don't just like come out of the gate. Well, it's cause asking. the work, yeah. The work speaks for itself. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I mean, you're such a talented dude and the way that you write is, is so poetic and it makes sense that you were saying you kind of had a little bit of like a poetry background you know if you want to call it that or whatever but you know that's kind of how i saw it you know from from my side as i I was just like this dude's fucking dope Mm -hmm. and so appreciate that that's that's you're right that is a a huge key to stuff like that is just focus on on the strength of of that thing that you're doing the product and then those rewards of of building the network and getting more and more opportunities to collaborate with different people that you you might have wanted to collaborate in some ways. Those things just naturally happen if the if the product is is great, because everybody sees that and is like, "Fuck, you know, that's dope." Exactly, exactly. It all comes full circle. Yeah, but those were those were interesting times. I remember we had a music video that we shot for uh, a song that I did on my album called Lamp City Family. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't even know if this music video is even still up on the internet because so many so many things got fucked up back then because. Like that was in such a weird time for record labels where they didn't understand how to like put music on YouTube <laughs> and social media. And yeah. like, it was a whole thing where it was like, Oh, like 
if it's not the album, like don't put it on iTunes, just have it out for free. And nowadays everyone's like, why the fuck would you do that? Like you're just, you're just losing out on making money. Right. But there was just, you know, that's a side, side tangent, but there was just so much shit like that that used to happen back then where it was like, you just kind of put out some songs and like use it as like a promo buzz thing. Yeah. Um, but it never, uh, it never got, um, put on, you know, any of the, the, the streaming services or anything like that. But I remember we did this video for this song, Lamp City Family, and we had, uh, Tim knew some guy who was, uh, working at one of these like super nice hotels in the city. And so we rented like a suite at the hotel for this music video and Atlantic records had given us like $5,000 for a a budget for the video. Mm -hmm. And we were like 18, 19 years old. Maybe Tim was like 21 at the time. And we took the $5,000 basically, you know, gave it to the videographer, spent some money on like alcohol and a bunch of other shit, rented out this like suite at this super nice hotel in Boston and just threw an absolute crazy party at this hotel suite with like 50 people. Yeah. All of those people that, that you were kind of mentioning from that, uh, that time period in Boston, like all the different musicians that were coming up at that time period. And it was just an absolute shit show. And we had no business being in that hotel at all. It was like a super fancy hotel. And the kid came up and he's like, dude, I'm going to lose my job. Like, this is so fucked up. And oh, you look no. at like, the music video and we're just like smoking blunts in the, in the video, you know, just in the kind hotel. of trashing the hotel room. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Cause I would just never do that. Anything like that now. But at the time you were just young and just didn't realize the repercussions of your actions. And it was just one of those things that kind of got out of hand because right. it was the group, the group effect. Yeah. You tell you know? a few people and then they tell a few people. And yeah. Then, and yep. you know, Nobody would act like that on their own, but because they're all in the group, they all want to act crazy. Right, right. And we just had no business being there. And I think everybody was just super excited about that and just like was acting out of pocket. But eventually I think they had to like call security. We ended up getting kicked out of the hotel. Couldn't even stay at the hotel that night. And it was a whole thing. And I just remember being like, man, like this is so ridiculous. Like why am I even with a record label? They just like basically have no idea what's going on in terms of making these videos or doing anything. We just spent $5,000 and pretty much just like threw a party right? and got in trouble for it. And <laughs> now we don't even really have a viable music video, but, but fuck it. You made it and, work though. You got it. Yeah, we made it work. It? We, we put out the video, but there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, uh, lessons like that, that we, yeah. that we, that we learned. And, and, you know, me and Tim has, has some good stories on, on, on that front. Not to change the topic, but while you were telling me that this that video just popped in my head, what's the what was the one you shot where you were like in masks and you were like throwing vegetables? Yeah, that was or, the that was the cut me off video, and that was the day that I met Tim because we did a little promo interview for that yeah. video. I remember seeing that video everywhere. I was like, "Yo, this shit is fire!" And obviously, like that song, you had sampled it at the perfect time, right? Um, and that hook, just, I mean, that song in general is just gold. But I remember seeing that on like all the blogs and stuff. I was like, damn, this shit is crazy. Yeah, were... that that was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Was that was that while you were on the label or was that? Yeah, that one came about because that was before the Lamp City album came out. And I was with the label and they were helping me try and kind of get some buzz going. And actually the dude who signed me at the label, um, he emailed me one night and he was like, you should remix this song. And so then we figured out how to kind of flip the sample. Mm. And, uh, I basically just, I I remember, I think I wrote that, that whole song, like in my mom's kitchen at the time on my, on my uh, phone Yeah, and recorded it. It was kind of just one of those, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know how it is. Like randomly a song will just kind of come about and it was just because the beat was so good. And that song was so catchy at the moment that I made it. That it was, you know, the work had already been done for me in a lot of ways. And so I just kind of, I think I just kind of wrote some verses onto it. And then the video came about and me and my friend, uh, Multiple Pete's kind of just came up with the whole video concept to just fuck around and like put those different masks on and just, yeah, you yeah. know, it was kind of just like a random idea that was referencing a lot of the shit that was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, we were just fucking young and 
being, you know, trying to be creative and uh, trying to fucking figure out how to like work with a label too, which was like really stressful. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like that's how the best stuff happens sometimes. A lot of the times, at least, for, I mean, I'm sure it's case to case, but like, tell me if you can like agree with this, but like some shit like that where you kind of just made on spot versus like something that you've put a ton of planning and work into or spent way more money on a budget and like, like you're like this is gonna go crazy and then it just like kind of duds out or at least for your expectations as opposed to some some shit you just kind of did on the fly and put out didn't even think twice about it didn't even know if people will fuck with it and it just like became way bigger than you thought absolutely because those are like a, a handful of my biggest songs I, I literally have like the same story i was like yeah i wrote this in the studio in like an hour i filmed filmed the video like same day and like i just threw it out and it yeah. just like yeah for me it, it's 100% that and i think it's when i catch myself in some sort of headspace where i just like really want to speak on something yeah and it just can't be forced like i can sit and you know make music for 4 hours every day and i'll get a lot of music made and it'll be good music and you know i can put it out but for a song to reach that kind of status of something you really feel proud of that, you know, you think is great mm -hmm. and people that are listening really think it's great. You know, I think most artists only, only get that every once in a while. Yeah. And for me, it has always been that random spur of the moment inspiration. And it's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes of writing the song. Right. And it just kind of happens. And typically it's happened when I've just been kind of really, hit with a lot of emotion about whatever the subject is um you know and sometimes when it's like a more fun song it just kind of happens and it's just probably has a lot to do with the production too if you know if a beat is really good i feel like it's really easy to just make a great song sometimes yes. like, it, no, like sometimes the, and i think producers should get more credit because i think a beat is one of the biggest determiners of whether or not the song is is great right Right. But yeah, when I made Better Days, that was that was pretty much the exact situation and Better Days so far has been my my most successful song and that song I literally wrote it in 30 minutes having just come back from um you know I don't even remember what I was doing but I just kind of was in like an emotional place and you know I I was making a lot of music at the time in my mom's guest bedroom at this apartment that she was renting and uh i had this little kind of studio set up in that in that apartment and i made the beat for that song in like 30 minutes and then wrote the the lyrics and just like laid it down and it just kind of happened yeah and you know it's 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 weird how that uh that's the case i mean did you have a similar experience with some of your biggest songs um yeah so the, I think my, I think it's, if not the biggest, it's like might be the second biggest, but uh, 10 laws. And I just wrote it. Like, I think I, I had the idea for a bit, but like you were saying, it was kind of like it, I didn't want to just like do it because it felt forced. So like I had to wait for the right time. And um, one day kind of just hit me. I was like, right, I just got to like try to write the shit. Um, yeah and it was like biggie's 10 crack commandments but like that i was just inspired by it but i was like i'm just gonna do like 10 laws of life whatever um i didn't even know if it was gonna be like a, a legit song or if it was just gonna like kind of like a more of like a freestyle to put out there um yeah but i wrote it in like an hour and then we filmed it just like i filmed it as i recorded it live so like the music video is actually me recording the song um oh that's dope I, yeah and i just put it out um like that night or the next day or whatever and it just went like nuts it was like, like it went like super viral at least for me um and then like some some pages some like more popular instagram facebook pages picked it up um and there was one page on facebook that it got like i think has like 18 million views on there and it was just like that's some shit i did on the fly i was like damn thinking but like once it started going like, yeah i wish i shot like a better music video put some more like promotion into this but like 
the song was the promotion itself. You know, it didn't it didn't need anything. It didn't need a flashy video. Well, um, and the organic nature of of how that all came about is probably a lot of what the the value is in that in that video. You know, right, right, a hundred percent. And even the questions um, song, I remember the video. I shot it. I literally shot it in my backyard. It was like a one take video, and the camera's spinning in circles and circles. And I was always like, like after I put it out. Everyone was just like, damn, this video, like the show's dope, but it kind of made me dizzy because we just kept spinning. Yeah. Like, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. But I mean, it is fine. Like, I still like the video, but I was just like, damn, I wish I had to put a little more effort into the video and like thinking about it. But I guess that's the whole organic like organic process of it just happening. Cause it's Yeah, like you always go back. Just... You always go back and you're like, Oh, I could have done this a little bit uh, different. And mm-hmm. I feel like uh I've always leaned on the side of just get shit out as opposed to trying to like over, over perfect it. And maybe that's a, a, a detriment to, to me and like, you know, anything creative that, that I've done, but I'm just like, I don't know, ADD or something Yeah. in terms of, I don't want to spend too much, too much effort on one thing and just let, let the song, let the creative process be what it was in its actual, you know, kind of most, organic authentic form and put it out there and and i think that that you know is just kind of the style that i that i ended up kind of like going with with the music that that i do yeah um but even on videos too i i because you mentioned those two videos and it's funny because that questions videos is the first thing that that really put me onto your music and i I was like i said just i loved that video i I think i saw it on twitter Mm -hmm. i think that it's coming back to me now Word. that I, I saw it like retweeted on Twitter and I was like, yo, this shit is super dope. And, you know, I've spent a lot of money on music videos over the years, but the ones that have always done the best, I was talking to Michael Christmas about this, are the ones that are just uh, spur of the moment, good ideas, authentic. They really show you being you. You yep. know, it's not, it's not, too calculated you're not trying to just dress some way that's that's not you or whatever and i feel like that's what's so dope about about your videos is it's really you being you when you're doing fucking freestyles in the car like right you know all those different series that, that you've had over the years i think that's one of the things that that really attracts people to your music is that it's so authentic to you you know and yeah. it's 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 really funny that it's not the the biggest money spend or the biggest, you know, effort to get the best fucking videographer or whatever that's going to have the biggest impact. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, at least for, for the kind of stuff that we do, I think it really boils down to how authentic is this to you and is this going to cut through? In particular, when you're, um, you know, when you're a, a white guy trying to make hip-hop music... Right. I think, you know, you do have to show that you're just being authentic to yourself because you're you're borrowing a genre from from someone else's culture. Mm-hmm. And so I've always kind of thought that to to make hip hop music, you know, you're you're and as a as a as a white guy, you're always kind of balancing the line of of, you know, just making sure that you're you're paying respect to that music that you loved and you grew up on, but it wasn't from your culture and now it's a part of our mainstream life uh you know so so much but you know when you're authentic with the music that you're making it's it's just able to cut through so much more you know yeah no i agree 100 percent. and and people can obviously tell you know right right yeah so what's what's the uh the pandemic life been been like for you in terms of how your how your workflow is going, just how your life is in general. You staying sane, like you just staying in the crib. You trying to get out a little bit. Like I mean, I know now you've already had COVID, so you're kind of right, right. Maybe yeah. a little bit more chilled out. I've been I've been stepping out a little more. I can't lie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trying to you know trying to obviously just through you know since it started, uh, you know be safe and um, move cautiously and whatnot. But I um, you know I, I can't lie it's obviously tough. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, coming to LA, it's like the main reason I moved here was to 
so I can access the network and the people I fucking know. So it's like, right. First, first year I was here was dope. I couldn't have asked for a better year. Like met so many people. It was just like doing all this, all types of cool shit, um, making great relationships. And then like second year, I was like, man, we're going to go crazier this year. Like double up on everything. And it was just like shut down. Yeah. So, so like all of last year was spent, um, just being like, well, fuck the main reason I'm here. I can't, I can't access these things. So it was a little tough to adjust. Um, and I, you know, and, and I still did, um, to the best of my ability, but obviously, you know, it's just not the same. Um, so this year, I mean, hopefully, you know, things get better, um, as the year progresses and whatnot, but, um, just try to try to make the best of it. Do you feel like, I feel like there was a big, uh, learning curve when this shit first started to happen. And then my experience was I, I started to accept it and then adapt and then really mm-hmm. thrive in a new way, just kind of mentally and with the work that I'm doing, I feel like I actually have more time to focus and actually don't have anything else going on. So I have to just come in here and sit down and work on different shit. Did you, did you feel like that too, in terms of at some point you kind of just, the situation is what it is. So you just have to make it happen. I've just talked to a lot of people and I actually feel like a lot of people, at least people who do things like we do Mm kind of independently working for ourselves, you know, using social media, all that type of stuff. I think a lot of people are, are thriving in this environment because so many people are online and I'm curious if that's been the experience for you or if it's just been hard because shit just sucks right now or mm-hmm. yeah I, I, th- I think it was that way at first I mean I'm kind of probably in, in a similar boat to to most creatives but yeah at first it was just like you just felt defeated um yeah. and then it would come in waves but yeah now that it's like I'm so used to it it's kind of just like it's it's easier to maneuver and it's like you know there's literally no excuse for yourself like before at least you could have been like yeah but you know i gotta be out like at least if you're at these parties or whatever doing these things like you know i gotta be out here doing the shit it's it's yeah at least i'm connecting with this dude and yeah exactly right now it's like how much of that really does matter yeah right exactly but you could lie to yourself a little bit and like do it more often than not but but now it's like all right if you can't like sit down and put the work in, in a, in a fucking pandemic where there's nothing to do, but that it's like, you got to check yourself. So I think, I think once I like understood that and was like, all right, let's, let's do it. Yeah. And you can't be too hard on yourself because I think these are uncharted territories. I mean, you know, uh, this is a unprecedented situation that I think has affected all of us mentally. And Mm -hmm. especially early on, I feel like everybody was just in a state of shock and then you're just like, what the fuck? But it's amazing how resilient we are as human beings. Because if you told us two years ago that in 2021, start of 2021, you would be fully adapting to a work from home isolation lifestyle where you're not seeing anybody. Anytime you're going out, you're wearing a mask. You're barely going inside to different stores or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you still have another year of that at least until shit gets back to normal. And that's still pretty unclear in terms of whether or not that's going to be back to normal. Oh, and by the way, there are tens of thousands of people lined up at Dodger Stadium waiting to get a fucking vaccine, you know, as if it's, you know, a fucking concert that they're waiting in line for. We'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But because it was just this slow roll Mm -hmm. and we kept peeling back the layers of like, oh shit, you know, it's January 2020 you know, the first person in America got sick. Oh, fuck, it's March. We're going on lockdown. All right, this might last a couple weeks. Oh, we might actually have 60,000 deaths. Oh, wait, we might surpass 200,000. Oh, shit, we're doing, you know, half a million fucking cases a day. It just slowly got worse and worse. And so we were just like, all right, we have to figure out how to like live with this and adapt. And it, it took so long for us to get to this this crazy spot that we're okay with it now mentally but you know i feel like any of us two years ago would have been like what the fuck are you talking about that sounds like the apocalypse yeah it sounds like something out of a movie right but we're resilient (laughs) as humans like we can adapt to our environment and create a new perspective and just kind of try and try and figure it out it doesn't mean it's not easy it doesn't mean the shit doesn't suck right but it's interesting that that as a majority, we can kind of like get through it 
and some people are affected more than others, and some people have worse circumstances than others. In particular, the people who have to 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 work certain jobs that you know they can't abide by, you know the 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 guidelines of not being close to people because they have to go to work. I think right. those are the people who have it the hardest, and the people that are on the front lines trying to help people that are sick. Right. Yeah. And it's tough. all of our duties as people who are uh, able to work from home to be serious about it. You know, if you haven't gotten sick, but you know you have, uh, to be serious about it because it's our responsibility to those people who ha- who don't have an option. You know, right. they have to show up to work. They have to go be a nurse. They have to go work at their restaurant job because they need to pay their rent and they need to pay for, you know, their bills. But yeah, that's, that's tough. It's gotta be tough too. I mean, obviously people with, with kids who are doing like the online schooling and then they got to work, but they're also trying to, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, that's no, it's, it's crazy, man. This, this situation affects different people differently. Um, and it right. sucks for everybody, but it's relative for each person. And some some people, you know, have it really tough right now, and it's 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 hard, man. But as human beings, we are resilient. We do figure it out. And you know, I got love for anybody who's got it a lot worse than me. All I have to do is just stay isolated and make these podcasts and just stay in the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that you know I happen to be able to do that. Right. But. Yeah, man, I, I just like to talk about the fact that we're resilient like that because I think it helps us kind of just keep that perspective and try and, you know, get through this shit because we still got a little bit of ways to go. Definitely. And you just get like desensitized to it. You know, like you you bring it up is like, damn, you're right. Like, right. Kind of just forget sometimes because I'm just so used to it in, in in the midst of it all where it's like. I catch myself taking a step back and be like, damn, this, we are resilient. Holy shit. Like it has been what a, a coming up on a year and whatever months. Like, yeah. 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 I think it's pretty much basically a year, right? I mean, yeah, we're coming, we're coming up on the, on the anniversary of the first fucking lockdown. And the reason I know that is because it was right around my birthday. Um, and you know, we're, we're still here. You don't see people giving up. Right. People are fucking going through some shit, but we're not giving up. Right. I think it was like two days after my birthday. I know our birthdays are close, but I remember I yeah. had the party at my house. Yep. Um, are you March 12th? What are you? 6th. March 6th. Yeah. 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 Um, but I remember, yeah, we had the a party. It was like on a Saturday. We had like the outdoor event and then it was already kind of a thing, but it wasn't a lockdown. Like, you know, nobody really knew. I remember like, joke not jokes but people were just talking about it or like right like oh make sure you have your hand sanitizer haha wait damn so (laughs) yeah you had you had a party on march 6th right and i was there yeah and then i I mean that was the last social function that i i was at for sure i think that's the last one everyone was at like yeah that was that was kind of the running joke was like damn jay's actually the last party in in la because you really did two days after i remember the end that's like when the nba canceled the season or postpone the season and like when that yep. happened i was like oh shit what well, is like this yeah. is serious serious dude i i think that adam silver will go down in history as you know just he'll go down in history as a great guy for many reasons but that decision that adam silver made mm-hmm. people who study epidemics mm-hmm. and pandemics are going to reference that decision that he made as just the most historic decision that probably saved tens of thousands of lives uh, and started us on the path of actually being able to take this seriously when the government was refusing to really take it seriously and take the steps that they needed to at the time to save lives. He forced the country's hand by saying, whoa, we got to stop this dead in its tracks. This is serious. And that made everybody around us say, wait, the NBA is shutting down? Yeah. Well, what the fuck is the government doing? Because if the NBA is shutting down, like they must know something. Like this is not a good situation. Like we gotta we gotta figure this out. And he was really the first person to stand out on a limb and say, We gotta nip this in the bud and you know, and just fucking go on lockdown. And then of course all the all the regulation came in after the fact. But 
I, I had a pretty unique experience with that because I went out to Minnesota to see my boy Carl mm-hmm. uh, for my birthday. And so we, we flew out there and we were planning on going bowling for, for my birthday. And yeah. so this was like, you know, the 13th or some shit like that. You okay. know, it's like the day before my birthday. We were all going to go bowling. And he comes into the into the uh, the room where we're all hanging out. A bunch of us are all in town. We all basically met in Minnesota to all hang out. We were going to celebrate my birthday. Me and my girl were out there. Yeah. You know, a bunch of our friends were there. And we were just kind of kind of going to you know, just have like a weekend and then then we were going to fly back to LA and everything was going to be cool. You know, a lot of times I'll, you know, before all this shit, I would take trips out there, you know, go tap in with him, see a game, whatever. And so we get out there, we're about to go bowling and and he comes in, he's like, the NBA just shut down the season. Uh, And we're like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, we're not going bowling. And so then uh, we ended up staying out there for two months because we were on lockdown and we couldn't, you know, I mean, we could have, flown back to LA but it just didn't make sense yeah at that point shit was in LA but not really in Minnesota so we were like you know and nobody knew what the fuck was going on so you're just like yeah let's just stay right put and just we just fucking just cooped up stayed put you know um just had to fucking you know not do nothing but right yeah Yeah, that's great that's a crazy situation no, that, it, like, it was really crazy just to see it, you know, obviously from the perspective of like a player mm-hmm. and just, you know, he, he kind of got the information, you know, before, right, uh, right, before the shit was like public, <clears throat> at least, you know, a couple hours. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, like that's crazy. Yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking back to that. I mean, it was only a year ago, but it just like feels like a different world. Well, that's what's so interesting to me is, is like, you know, we get in this headspace where we just we just kind of go 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 and that's what that's what i think like we really are resilient like we just we have to adapt it's like if you got you know put in some prison in a different country yeah you know for you know something you didn't do and you had to fucking stay in that prison for like 10 years yeah it would be horrible but you would find a way to come to terms with your circumstances and survive Right. Like it's very rare as a human that you're actually going to like give up and not want to want not want to fight, right? And right. you know, people get depressed and people take their lives and shit like that. Right. That's kind of a different thing. We're resilient when it comes to just having to deal with circumstances. We fight as 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 humans. You know? Yeah, man. It's cr- crazy. Um not switch topic from pandemic but uh music wise what are you what have you been working on i mean i know you released the the single obviously um yeah dedicated to your dad that song was super dope by the way no thank Um, you bro well i'm curious i'm curious to get your thoughts on this i've been working on just kind of trying to put out more singles mm -hmm. because i just put out an album not too long ago but you know i always kind of go back and forth in terms of you know what's the best thing to do putting out singles putting out an album because you know it's it's just so different these days with they don't want you to put out albums they don't <laughs> my dj Khaled voice but but for real though it's like albums i love putting out albums but like just yeah. literally the algorithms like it doesn't work best to put out an album it doesn't at least in the position i'm at and you probably noticed it too but like when i if i took all the fucking songs off of the last album i dropped and dropped them one by one it statistically would have done better which is frustrating as an artist because you just want your shit to be heard and seen at the end of the day um so that that does suck and it makes you want to just be like let me just stick to the singles but what i do like about the album still and i'll forever make albums for this it's like i love i still love creating the moment you know for the fans and i think that's super important so like the people who really fuck with you they want the albums well, that's that's exactly what I've come to terms with too. Is is that the streaming platforms disincentivize you from making albums, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you shouldn't make albums because they are representative of a moment in time in your life, yep. way more so. 
and it's a cohesive project way more so than putting out singles. Even if you put out 10 single singles that felt like an album at the end of it, there's still something to be said for packaging up a project of songs uh, and having to represent that moment in time in your life as an artist. And so I agree. I, I came to those same conclusions where I'll, I'll continue to do that and kind of try and be in this cycle of singles, then an album, then singles, then an album and kind of do it that way. And so right now I feel like I'm in that singles phase, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it is, it is kind of interesting how these streaming platforms really in a lot of ways dictate the way that, that music gets made now solely based off of their al- algorithms but it's like anything. It's the it's the same reason that you know the Instagram algorithm dictates how people act in terms of posting pictures, right? You know, and like right. dressing a certain way or wanting to look a certain way, you know. Definitely, I think it influences um, everyone, obviously. But like, you know, I catch. I, th- I kind of made a post about this maybe like a month or two ago. But like, I know what works. I know what kind of posts work better on my Instagram. So like I'll get caught in the fucking rat race of being like, damn, well, if if I make this kind of video or like this kind of inspirational picture or this, I know it's going to get more likes and comments and engagement than like this random picture that doesn't mean anything, but it's a fucking cool picture to me. I want to post it, but I know it's going to get like way less likes and engagement. And it's like, I just got sick of chasing that because it's like, I mean, I get it, you know, it's like, I understand how it works, but it's like frustrating. Yeah, how do you how do you manage that? What's your what's your kind of system for posting on social media, thinking about your kind of content plan? What's you know, cuz I I get the sense that you're one of those guys who who really has a good kind of feel for what does well for you. Right. On social media. Right. Yeah. And it got me to where I am. So I right. try to be mindful of it because yeah, like, right. I've always just been like, all right, if I can be consistent in like, you know, dropping just new content, whether it's a new freestyle or just something like just being in front of people, um, it just works. It's grown my brand over the years. So I don't want to like just completely disregard that and be like, I don't want to post anymore. I'm just going to fucking give you guys an album once a year. Like I can't right. do that either. Right. Um, but I try to just I try to find the balance of like not being too hard on myself versus still like playing the game and knowing how it works. Um, so it's tough. It's like an everyday thing, you know, and it's like I'm, I'm working on getting better at it and like trying to care less. But I, it's not like I'm just going to fucking wake up one day and be like, not, you know, if, if like something flops or a song's not doing well, it's going to bother me a little bit just because I put a lot of work into it or whatever. But I try to just like take a step back and be like, it's not the end of the world and yeah well what's tough now is is that it's a it's a different game in terms of you're not playing against the same forces that you might have been playing against a year ago Mm -hmm. or two years ago because the algorithm changes every day because it's a self-teaching algorithm exactly and you know we can't compete with that as humans Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, they just want to sell advertisements. Right. Which is so fucking funny because I've been trying to advertise my fucking song for like two days and I can't yeah. even like advertise it because Instagram is just like freaking out, not letting me run my ad. And it keeps like yeah. saying, sorry, error, try again. It's like glitching. So they're not really doing a good job of that. But, you know, they they change kind of the, the formula every single day. To, to, so to stay on top of that is really tough. Um, and I, I've noticed that, you know, in terms of story views and things like that, like they really want you to pay, pay to play now. Right. Yeah. And like to cut through now on social media, it has to be that much better from a quality standpoint. But even that only goes so far because some of it is just up to the, the algorithm and you're just competing against every other post that's out there. And the more people become active on social media, which is, you know, just increasing exponentially every single day, everybody's trying to become a content creator on social media, which is amazing. And I think that that's fucking just an awesome thing for our world and our economy. But it's going to create more clutter and and just more people. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it just creates more more competition and clutter and mm-hmm. uh, everybody fighting for consumption time on the screen from right. from people that are consuming content. And so I've noticed that things don't cut through unless they have a real clear story behind it. Right. You know? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. But yeah, I think that's kind of when I make a post that I know is going to do well. It's because of the clear story aspect. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I try and remember that because you do have to remember that when you're when you're just kind of trying to be out there and, and posting on social media. But you're always playing catch up with, with the uh, with the algorithm and everything like that. Right. But I was curious, like, if you have a system for that in terms of, you know, do you kind of whiteboard that out and think about this is what I want to post or are you just kind of flying from the hip and, and you got a good sense of it and so you just kind of put, push it out there? Because I know you do a lot of, you know, videos, doing freestyles and things like that. Is, you know, do you feel like that's, that's something that really does well for you and you just like enjoy doing it and and you just kind of do it when you when you feel inspired to do it or do you have like kind of a system to all this yeah it's it's definitely a system but it's also like simultaneously flying from the hip because i'm not just like mondays wednesdays fridays this is what i'm going to do but i definitely just keep in mind that if like just have to be consistent so whether it's like you know a couple times a week i'm like all right let's just make sure i'm making some instagram posts this week some tweets this or if, if I don't have anything to to put out, I'm like, well, let me gear something towards next week. Um, just you know, get some momentum going before my next original song drops a few weeks down the line. Um, and I've just been doing it for long enough now where I kind of just get the gist of it and know how it works. So I don't have to like really plan it out um like that, but I kind of have it all just up here being like, all right, this is this is what's worked, this is how we're gonna do it, and we'll just figure the rest of the shit out on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. What's it been like when you've started to do more, uh, you know, almost like sketch comedy type stuff? Was that something that you always wanted to explore or did that kind of just happen because of your your friendships with different people that are kind of in that world? Or, you know, because I thought, I thought that shit was fucking amazing. And when you do those things with uh, Kim Botch, Big Kim Batch, you know, but actually putting music into it too right. is is so dope to me because I don't think that that's really being done at a high level, like lyrically, right. like like you have the ability to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fucking love that shit. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, that came just kind of on the, like just happened. Um, I had like really no intention of doing some shit like that. Um, I've always, you know, like, like you said, I'm, I've kind of been good in like the, poetic storytelling type of thing so it's just really easy for me to do but i became friends with him and he's always you know he was just like a fan of the music or whatever um and we had collaborated on something he let me like perform at like his show once uh, but we had never done like actual content together and he kind of just he's one of those guys that's like always just like working posting things like every day type like he's like it's it's insane to see his work ethic with that stuff because he'll be like, all right, we're gonna make like six videos today for the next six days, and then tomorrow we're gonna do like four more, and I'm just gonna like post this out through the month. Uh, we'll just do like a 12 hour day. But he hit me up just randomly, being like, "Yo, we should do like a like a sketch comedy thing," and I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm down to try it." He's like, "Word, I'll be there in like an hour." And it was so like, he's he's just the work ethic's just crazy. It's, it's a crazy, and it was like midnight at the time. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm, I mean, I'm down, but like, yeah, it kind of caught me off guard a bit. But he just pulled up, and we made this one episode of this thing called Bad Roommates, and um, we just like we did it in like an hour. Like we wrote, recorded it. He just like did everything on his iPhone. Like he knew all the angles, which was nuts. Like it's not like he had like a professional camera. He was just like. You stand here and I'll like, I need two shots this way. He's like, flip around, two shots this way, one on the side, this, this. And then he was just like, all right, I'm out. I'll see you tomorrow. I was like, all right, man. And like the next day, I just wake up to him posting it, edited already. And it had like a million views. And like, so he just had the whole vision kind of in his head of like how it all needed to cut, like with the different scenes and everything like that. Yeah. He's just like, I think he's just done it so many times. You know, to him, it's like, 
it's probably like like when we're working on a song you know like you just yeah, know how yeah. to do shit or when you're like mixing you're just like yeah you get your ten thousand hours around. in and you're just like it's it's just like clockwork at that point yeah 100 percent. but yeah we did that one episode man and he was like it did really well for his page and i think his content so after that he was like people fuck with this he's like we need to make we need to do a 10-part series <laughs> and i was just like what again i'm down but like you know it just kind of came like just happened uh on the fly so like for the next two weeks after that he was just coming over every day and he was inviting um just like random guests and people of his network that he knew that i had never met you know like michael blackson that came over some like instagram models like other artists that were pretty popular that was just like he's like, yeah, this person's pulling up they're gonna make a cameo um but yeah it ended up doing really well and like I was a little nervous because I'd never done like more comedic stuff. And, I, you know, I've never tried to be like a com like a comedy rapper. Um, so I was like, man, I hope people fuck with this. But I think my fans like got it and it was like lighthearted. Um, and yeah, it, and obviously he was posting it, too. So it just got me a lot of um, looks and new fans and shit. So right. it, was, it was a really cool experience. Well, I think when it's in collaboration with, you know, the top guy in that, that world right. of comedy, right. You know, it, it validates it so much. Uh, that's crazy to hear about the, the work ethic thing. I mean, I feel like anybody that's at that level is just kind of a maniac in that sense from the work ethic standpoint. It's always really inspiring to just be around that energy. Super inspiring. And Did then you, you could it like, it shows you why he is what he is right you just see it and like you know like you see some videos whether you like it or not you just be like oh like that's cool but then when you see how it's done and like the grind behind it or or some people are just like yeah these people are just making like these vlogs like must be easy and it's like yeah oh, there's a lot of fucking work no. and, and shit that goes into like all of this stuff and yeah. especially when you're doing it on like high-end consistent level it's like it's fucking it's a full-time job you know absolutely absolutely and i mean you're you're approaching the the shooting of of those type of uh pieces of content in this like incredibly you know organized disciplined way and you're you're you know banging out six pieces of content in a day i mean that's a lot of work you know right I mean, you can you can't get to any level like that without it being fucking grueling work you know what i'm right. saying like there there is it Nothing is easy, you know, at that level. Right. I mean, things are different and certain things are probably more fun. Of course. But it's still time put in and effort and, you know, you have to execute and, and still have the ideas too. But my man, Jay Zach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate having this conversation with you. Um, I know we're having a little technical difficulties right now with the audio on your end. So I'm going to just sign us off now. Check out Jay Zach on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else. This is the Cam Meekin Show, signing off. Peace.